BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. On a mission to change the way consumers purchase glasses, GlassesUSA.com was created on one simple belief. Eyewear shouldn't break the bank. It's the smart way to buy glasses. GlassesUSA.com allows consumers to purchase eyewear from the convenience of their own home and offers a wide variety of high-quality frames and lenses at affordable prices and with no risk. And these aren't generic frames. These are brands like Ray-Ban, Oakley, Tom Ford, and Calvin Klein. So head on over to GlassesUSA.com, use promo code ALMIGHTY, that's promo code A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y, and get 55% off any pair of glasses at checkout. Again, GlassesUSA.com, promo code ALMIGHTY. want to do bad things. That's real, though. I don't exaggerate at all, man. But the more money you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is, is something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff said. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English in what? What? English, mother... Do you speak it? Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Welcome to the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 442 of the Spurs cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast, brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I am your host, Ryan McCallum, reporting to you live from my hotel suite high above the city of Des Moines. Uh, this is the last night of the NBA, and uh, and I can't say that I'm going to miss those long nights, but we're here. We're ready to start the real season, um, which means that I'm here with ProjectSpurs.com's management team. 
Mr. Ben Bornstein and Paul Garcia. Hello, guys. How are you doing tonight? Phenomenal. Are, are you in Des Moines, Iowa, Ryan? Yeah, but I like to say Des Moines because it makes people oh, okay. look at me like I'm a total idiot, which is or not a look that French, they typically maybe. get. Well, I, it might be French. I don't know. Uh, but before Fair we knows. got on, I was telling um, I was telling Ben that I stopped by the QT, which is a, uh, which is a gas <laughs> station up here. And I, I haven't been to a QT in, you know, 10 years or something. And I walk in there to grab a quart of beer, uh, you know, because this is a professional podcast. And, uh, and I grab a, a Corona quart and I walk up to the guy at the, at the counter and I say, and I just check out like it's nothing. I get a, a pack of Mentos, a quart of beer and a water. And the guy doesn't card me or anything. And I actually ask him, I said, dude, do I look that disheveled that you didn't even card me? I mean, how old do you think I am? And he says... Buddy, it's nothing until you get that AARP card. And fortunately enough, that's a few years off, but probably not as many years off as you guys think. So I'm an old man, and yes, I am in Des Moines, Iowa. Long story okay. short. Um, I'm heading up that way in July. Uh, not not there specifically. Uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa. Where is that? Uh, just north of, of Des Moines. Uh, it's, it's, I'm going for a wedding. My brother's getting married there. His, oh, wow. Uh, his fiance. Yeah, his I was going to say, that's a pretty good Iowa. reason to go. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've been there. There's not much else there. So. <laughs> there's, there's not. I've been downtown, Des Moines, and and you know that's because uh, you know I'm a D League, one of those D League guys, right? And uh, uh, that's where the Iowa Energy play, which is a horrible. It's almost as bad as the Oklahoma City Blue, in the D League, right? <laughs> but the Iowa <laughs> Energy, um, the best name in the D League is not the Austin Spurs. It's the Delaware 87ers. Yes, that's, that's a pretty the, good one. Yeah, that's the best name. Like, I don't even know what that reference is. Do you guys know? I mean, was that like the, the Independence or the, the the day that they signed? Or the, that's you know, what I was going to say. I think it's the year they became independent, or they became the first state, perhaps. Seventeen eighty-seven. Maybe. Maybe I have to look it up. If yeah. we had a producer on the show, that guy could look this up and and get it done. But. Uh, guys, tonight this is the playoff preview. I, I've been waiting for this all year long. Um, for normal fans, which there are many, and they go far and wide of the Spurs cast, uh, there's a voice that's not in the show. Uh, it's Mr. Jose Grijalva, and Jose's uh, aptitude of coaching little children to basketball glory is really getting in the way of the success of this podcast. Jose is out again, uh, taking uh, the kids and that he teaches, not that he teaches, he probably doesn't teach him any life lessons. He's just, he's probably a, a hard, like a hardcore coach, like um, Friday night tykes, you know, on, on these guys, uh, on these little, on these little kids, but they're, uh, they're in, what are they in Ben? He he told us earlier, he said like a playoff bracket himself or what? I think so. He's I'm like a go serious little kid basketball coach. So he's out again tonight. Um, but that's okay because we brought in the big guns. We got Paul and we got Ben. And so I want to start with this question, Paul, you know, the season's over tonight. Of course, the Spurs have this last game, but you're 81 games out. Um, they have one game tonight. What's the, looking back on the year, what's the story of the San Antonio Spurs this year? I, I think it's just that they remain dominant despite losing a franchise cornerstone to Tim Duncan. I mean, you know, Timmy obviously was in his latter part of his career these last few years in San Antonio. So it's not like his impact was huge, but it wasn't like the statue huge type, type, type of deal. But still, you know, that's that's a guy that's been in your locker room for you know like almost 20 years. He's a all NBA guy. You know, he's very respected around the league. 
and I just think that they still kept that that winning percentage up. They, they're going to win 61, 62 games, something around there. Um, and and they kept that up. They didn't just fall off. Most teams when they when you lose your big piece, you know, you, you end up falling off for a few years going through the draft. But you know, Kawhi is basically an MVP candidate. I don't think he's going to win the award, but you know, he's right there with, with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and LeBron for that award. And he's a big part of why why they're doing it. Uh, R.C. Buford made some under the radar moves, getting guys like Dwayne Dedman, um, Sonny Pal Gasol. Um, and, and bring and uh, you know, really, they're they're young guys. Guys like Kyle Anderson, Jonathan Simmons have also contributed here and there. Um, so I, I really think that's the, that's the story here is that they didn't fall off, you know, fall off um, terribly once they lost Tim Duncan. They've they've just basically they're only they're only going to win six less games than last year when they when they set their franchise record. Do you think it has, uh, you know, is it is it a statement season for a guy like Kawhi Leonard because you know he's he's broken out from a scoring perspective. And people are calling him this, you know, this two-way threat. And I thought, I thought in the past two years, he's kind of been that guy. Do you think that, from a Kawhi Leonard perspective, this is sort of his coming out year that we've haven't really been looking for? I mean, this is the two-time defending Defensive Player of the Year, um, and in my opinion, is going to get that award for a third time, a la Ben Wallace. Uh, but do you think that a guy like Kawhi Leonard needed a year like this where there wasn't a Tim Duncan and it wasn't Tim Duncan's swan song for him to really step out and take that, um, you know, take that position as the number one offensive uh, threat for the San Antonio Spurs while keeping up his defense? Yeah, I mean, you can see it. I mean, he's the he's the ninth leading scorer in the NBA. So, I mean, when you're a top ten scorer, you're really taking it upon yourself to really make sure that that the team is winning on both sides of the ball with 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 your leadership. Um, and I really feel that because he's a top ten scorer, he shouldn't get that label anymore. You know, obviously he's a great two way player, but they shouldn't just say that at, at all times. You know, he's right there with those guys with Russ and and Harden. Though his statistics may not be as eye popping. You know, he doesn't get as many minutes because this team wins a lot more games. They have a bigger margin of victory. Um, and then you you know. You can see it just in the fact that Lamarcus kind of, you know, he, we we all know he hasn't played up to his expectation that everybody was expecting that when he when he left for for Portland San Antonio, so he's kind of carrying a little bit of Aldridge's load. You've seen the the drop off of Tony Parker, you've seen the drop off of Danny Green, some guys like that. Powell's been okay off the bench, but you know it's still they live and die a lot of their offense uh, is dependent on Kawhi, and he has to create for other guys. He has to squat out the post, or the pick and roll, and he's really just. Got, he has he has the the complete package as far as his offensive repertoire. He can get to the free throw line, can shoot the three, he can, um, like I said, screen and roll. He can um, can do so much for the team. And I think that this was a, a great um, year just to show that he he's able to do that. And and just to think, last year he was the, he was behind Steph in, in MVP voting, and this year he might be the, the third player just because of the other two guys that are having uh, magnificent seasons as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, the, a question for Ben: Ben, how did it feel to watch the Florida Gators get bounced from the NCAA? <laughs> Oh no! You had to do that to me. Oh my gosh! Oh, the way it happened was so frustrating. It was, it was five. It was really five bad minutes at the end of the game that did it because that was a team they could have easily beaten. They beat them. They beat them at home easily without John Igbuno, and then. The only reason that everybody on this podcast will know exactly who that is. Yeah, he 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 was the center. He's a six ten big man. And they, they, the only reason they lost to him the first time was because they went 0 for 17 on three pointers, which obviously not conducive to winning games. It's a bad shooting but night. The, the point guard play in that game against South Carolina was just atrocious. So, but we'll always have Chris Chios' shot against Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, well, you can have that. 
because nobody knows what you're talking about. I actually didn't expect for you to elaborate on that. I thought it was just going to be a quick, uh, a quick giggle because all the trash you were talking on the, on uh, the 27 team deep Spurs cast NCAA bracket. Uh, oh, God, I actually don't so even bad. know who won that. Jose uh, slacked off on on uh, picking a winner. I'm not sure who won that. I guess we'll have to check into that. But guys, that's that's for another day. Today is the playoff preview, and so sort of rules for the road. What we'll do is we'll we'll go through the East. Uh, we'll kind of break down each 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 series. Some we'll spend more time on than others. Um, in the East, especially, there's still some games shaking out. There's several games tonight that are going to influence not just seating, but even that number eight seed overall, who's in and who's out. Uh, so a lot of this is not locked. We'll go through all, you know, all of those scenarios, and then we'll sweep over to the West. Uh, we'll take each series, and then we'll save San Antonio and Memphis for last. And, uh, and I did just get a, a report. You know, This is a Twitter report that uh, we have a Tony Allen rolled ankle in that game, um, which is uh, Memphis's game, which is quite interesting for San Antonio, who's locked in at number two, Memphis locked in at number seven, so we'll see them uh, play in here in just a few days in the first round, so that could have impact already. But let's start out in the East. Um, lots still to be decided, as I mentioned before, uh, both with those seeds, you have you know the number seven seed uh, is still in flux there with Indiana, and of course, at the number eight seed, we're talking Chicago and Miami. Um, and, and guys, quick opinion in the room. If Miami gets that number eight seed, uh, if they end up getting that, which is looking like Chicago is going to be the number eight seed, and we'll focus on that. But if Miami somehow got in and got to the number eight seed, how is Eric Spolstra not the coach of the year in the NBA? I would say only because Quinn Snyder would be the coach of the year in the NBA. That's the only reason I could think of. So you're you're a Quinn Snyder guy, even though the Utah Jazz have been on this upward trajectory for some time. Um, Paul, I mean, do you think that Eric? Uh, I was about to say Eric, like every, like we're on a first name basis. Mister Spolstra uh, is deserve if they get in is deserving of. Co- I mean, mm-hmm. they've got a, a dumpster fire over. They've got Hassan Whiteside and some dudes, and somehow Dion Waiters is playing well. Uh, you know, sort of rejuvenating his career. Miami, if they make it, it's that's pretty astonishing for what they're left with. Yeah, I mean, on on paper, I mean, they've had a they've had a magnificent season as far as that comeback that they had from I think starting 10, 10 and thirty one or something like that or eleven and thirty. Um, I think it was eleven and thirty. Eleven and thirty. So I mean, I, I, there's already been I think one or two riders that have already submitted their ballots and everybody actually put him as the coach of the year. Um, and you know whether they, whether they make the playoffs or not, I think I just think that they actually held the seventh seed for a while there for about for about a few days. And just just being able to do that to be to be eleven and thirty, and then to actually hold hold an actual playoff position um, during the season, whether they, they get it tonight or not, and actually they could jump all the way to seventh tonight, depending on how the Bulls and uh, Pacers game goes. They could go from nine to seven tonight uh, if, if Miami were to win that game. Those other two lose, and I just think there's the, the other counter argument that I heard on a podcast was that you know Spo was still the coach when they were eleven and thirty, so you know there was obviously something wrong there as well. But, you know, I feel like he did mold that talent. He got that group together. He got them to buy into his system. They're always a really good defense under Spo. Um, and they kind of understood their roles. You know, Waiters has been really good for them as well. Um, Drogic and Whiteside. So I think that, you know, it, uh, I, I do agree with Ben that, that Quinn Snyder should be a, a candidate as well. But, uh, but Spo would definitely have a really, really good case compared to a lot of the other coaches right now. I love that you're calling him Spo. I've never heard that before. Is that a thing? Do yeah, other people absolutely. Call him Spo? 
yeah, that's from like the LeBron year. As soon as LeBron got there, that was a short thing. And I'm so used to on Twitter typing at Spo the years that I covered him in the finals. With, with Definitely the, a Heatles thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, when we're talking about that eighth seed right now, if the playoffs started this minute, that belonged to Chicago at 40 and 41. Unfortunately, they would head up and have to play Boston uh, as the number one seed right now, 52 and 29 on the year. Uh, they've split the season series. So they've two and two. Uh, as of late, March 12th was the last game. Boston blew out Chicago one by 20, 100 to 80. In that series, guys, and we'll start with Ben, say that it's Chicago-Boston and you've got a healthy Chicago team, uh, as healthy as you can be. What kind of chance does a team like Chicago have going on the road and having to place, uh, face a team like Boston in that first series? I think they could take one game from Boston, but Chicago is the defense is so bad. The I was looking at a statistic where it was Dwayne Wade on the floor and Dwayne Wade off the floor, and the team was better with Dwayne Wade off the floor, both offensively and defensively. And you have to think to yourself, well, D Wade's going to get a lot of minutes. So what does that really mean for this team? And they've just been a really bizarre team to watch. And I think they've been worse since the post, since the All-Star game because they got rid of a few key pieces. They, they made the trade with OKC that sent uh, Doug McDermott away. I really liked him. And uh, I, think, I think they sent one or two more guys. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I just don't like the way they've been playing uh, the, the last bit of the season. So I, I don't see them taking more than one game from Boston. Uh, and, and Paul, I mean, what's what's your opinion on that? I mean, what does the what do the stars and it's really just a couple, Jimmy Butler and uh, Dwayne Wade. What do they have to do to go to Boston and and eat? I mean, I don't think anybody's predicting them to take that series, but what do they have to do to take a couple of games from Boston? Uh, I think I think Ben hit on a point here. I think I think that you can play Butler and, and Wade together. I don't think you can play Butler, Wade, and Rondo together. That becomes a problem. Yeah, you, Wade and, and Rondo are non-shooters from three, so it really takes away their spacing. Uh, what they got to do is they they got to like they actually got to play defense, and they were able to do that earlier in the year. Um, when they when they play uh very shortened lineups, they they can they have that capability um, a little bit, not 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 really not really um. For, for a consistent basis. And I think that they just got to be physical with, with Boston. They got to get to the free throw line. Jimmy Butler does a great job of that. Dwayne Wade does a great job of that. They got to get some of Boston's defenders in, in foul trouble because there's some um, excellent defenders on that end with uh, Jay Crowder, with Avery Bradley. But yeah, I can't, I can't see um, Chicago actually taking the series though. I think they can make it interesting, especially, you know, um, if, if there's like some sort of re- revenge from Rondo kind of thing, you know, he goes back to Boston and who knows, you know, if he turns it on and starts putting out like close to triple double numbers again. So who knows what could happen there? So, uh, you know, Ben, we'll, we'll get through this one pretty quickly, but what's your prediction for this series? I think Boston wins in five. I think Bobby Portis has a random breakout game because I like Bobby Portis, but Boston takes it in five. And Mr. Garcia? I'm going uh, Boston in six. I think Chicago might get two on them. Ooh. So I'm going to make it interesting. I'm going to say a clean sweep. Uh, for the Celtics right. over over Chicago, I just can't see Chicago taking even a single game from a team like Boston, who believes that they're destined for something bigger. Right? I mean, that team's believing something now, taking over the number one seed, taking that from LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
I, I feel like they're just so motivated that that first round, it's not even going to be close. So, so we'll, we'll see. But nobody has um, Chicago coming out of, of that series with a win, which um, uh, you know, I think Vegas will tell you is an accurate pick. Let me, let me just throw one number real quick before we move on. Uh, so post-All-Star break, the uh, Bulls have a better defense than Boston, and uh, Boston Ooh. barely has a better offense. And if you take out Isaiah Thomas and Jimmy Butler from the series, they're both teams in point, points per game are even at 78.9. So that's oh. just throwing that out there, by the way. Well, <laughs> so if you take out the two yes, best players on each team, yeah. Yeah, they're actually they, they would both score seventy eight point nine points both teams. That's funny. Five thirty eight has the Bulls with less than a one percent chance to uh, to to win the title yep. uh, this year, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, but the Celts only had a four percent chance. So oh. I mean, those are those are big percentage points, but uh, uh, you know, it's not it's not too close. So moving on, let's take a look at the number two versus the number seven. And right now, if the playoffs started right now. Uh, Indiana would have that number seven seed all locked up at 41 and 40 on the year right now. They would end up being 42 and, and 40 on the year uh, with a win tonight. Uh, they play the Cavaliers, right? And so the Cavaliers all season long have been the number one seed. As of late, they've been on a bit of a slide. Uh, they're 51 and 30 overall. Uh, the Cavs have won the season series three games to one. The last game... It, I mean, it was 135 for Cleveland and 130 for Indiana, so nobody plays defense in that series. Uh, February they played, and it was 113 Cleveland, Indiana 104. Uh, you know, and then February 8th, it was Cleveland 132 over Indiana 117. Uh, Indiana got their only win of the season series early in the season in November uh, where they scored 103 points to Cleveland's 93. And I say all those scores to tell you that Indiana doesn't play defense, right? Uh, Cleveland is is running up the score on these guys. It's going to be a very tough se- uh, series, although Indiana's got some stars and they've got so, uh, you know, a motivated star there in Paul George. And, and we'll start with our own Paul. Uh, what does Indiana have to do to make it interesting against a, a Cleveland Cavalier team that, frankly, has been reeling as of late. I, I think it comes down to who's your who's your second guy with Paul George. Who's gonna, is it going to be Miles Turner? Is it going to be um, Jeff Teague? One of, you know, who's, who's that guy that's going to help out Paul George with that scoring look? Because, you know, I'm, I'm very suspect of the Cavs right now. I, I think that they, obviously they're going to beat Indiana, but, you know, that their defense has been so bad, um, you know, this whole season. Now, that even when they've come together as, as a group, that it's still been their, their, main, their biggest problem. Um, you know, post All Star break, the the Pacers actually have a better net rating than the Cavs. Um, but you know, the Cavs really showed that they can still be that that elite team that they, uh, just a few nights ago when they beat Boston. They just, LeBron just went there and killed Boston by himself. So my my, my way of looking at it is that is um, you really uh, limit LeBron and you limit Paul George, who, who who has more more potential, more talent. And I feel that's Cleveland. They have Kyrie, they have Kevin Love. You know, so many more weapons. So I'll take a, I'll take Cavs in six in that series. Yeah, Paul Paul touched on this for sure. The the Cavs have been atrocious on defense. They've been this I believe it was the second worst defense post All-Star break. And that's the you know and they've been able to get away with it for the most part one because they play in the East and two because they're the fourth highest scoring team in the in the league. But uh Indiana is literally middle of the road 
in opponents' points per game and their own points per game. And I think all it's going to take is for them to have a couple of games where they 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 score the ball better than usual. And I think, like Paul was saying, there's going to be I don't know if there's going to be one guy throughout the series that has particularly good games, but I think there's going to be a few different guys, a few different games that kind of step up and have really nice nights. He mentioned Miles Turner and Jeff Teague being guys, but I think uh, Monte Ellis might have a crazy night. Uh, if Al Jefferson comes back and is able to get into decent playing shape or you know be back to his old self, he could have a game. I think Thaddeus Young is overlooked, and I like him a lot. So I think he could be a guy that helps out Paul George as well. But I'm going to go with what Paul said and that uh, Indiana will lose it in six games. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of these guys where I feel like Paul George can, and again, a motivated Paul George. I'm not sure when the All-NBA, I think it's the, it's the awards ceremony you said is after the season this time, right? So like MVP, yes. All-Stars, or not All-Stars, All-NBA team, all that kind of stuff comes after the season. And I think they're voting on that uh, now. Though, right? Yes, it's it's due Friday. Yes, this Friday, Friday, all the media so, guys. So, yeah. which is absolutely ridiculous that they'd make us wait that long to find out. But well, nobody's gonna care. Like after it's all over, who cares? Like nobody's gonna turn. I mean, I'll tune in, but we're a rare breed, right? Uh, most yes. people won't really care um, about that. They'll care about the MVP and stuff, I guess. But uh, and I'm bringing all that stuff up because you know if Paul George makes an All NBA team, any of them, all three of them. Uh, any any of the three levels, he gets like $70 million, right? So I was going to say a motivated Paul George, but it's already, I mean, that's a stipulation in his contract, right? But it's already, uh, it's already going to be booked. So I guess that doesn't really make that big of a, big of a difference to him. So, um, he, you know, he's motivated by competitive, his competitive nature. Let's go with that, right? Not everything's about money. Uh, so I was going to say, if, if he finds out he makes one of the All-NBA teams and he gets his money, he might be less inclined to compete in yeah. the postseason. Yeah, I mean, he's going to throw up a crazy amount of points. I mean, this is a 35-point-per-night you know, score here in the playoffs, you know, predicting in this first round. Cleveland, I, I'm like you guys. I don't have a lot of faith in Cleveland for the long haul just because they've gone through periods of time here where they just seem disinterested. And, you know, LeBron James, the GM, coach, star player, uh, you know, he got after that crew earlier in the season, and then they started tanking later in the season. I mean, they just started, you know, failing. They started losing games, and they're, they're kind of on that slide right now. And so, you know, it's like a, a runner who kicks too early, and I feel like that's what happened. I, I'm not sure that Cleveland's got enough gas, um, and, uh, and Jose will appreciate this, but the testicular fortitude to uh, to make it through the end of, end of the season, so but I don't think it's in this in this series. I think that Cleveland handles their business. I think that Indiana takes a game. I think it's a four to one um, uh, series for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, next up is the team that Mr. Grijalva picked to win it all. It's the Toronto Raptors, uh, vintage nineteen ninety six Toronto Raptors. Uh, at 50 and 31, they're taking on the upstart Milwaukee Bucks, 42 and 39. Uh, the Raptors get just like the Cavaliers have dominated the season series. Uh, the last the, the the last game though on March 4th was a loss. Milwaukee was 101 points. Toronto got 94 points. Uh, Toronto's got their two guards, which are just absolute studs. Uh, they've got some good inside play from Valanciunas. Uh, Milwaukee, of course, has the Greek freak. 
Uh, they've got some other dudes. I mean, it's this is an interesting series. I'm I this is my favorite matchup uh, in that first round out east. I'm really excited about this matchup. And starting with Ben, you know, what does Giannis uh, have to do to lead his team to overtake the Raptors? If you if you even think that the Raptors are susceptible to a first round loss. What is what is Giannis? What does he have to do, and what do the Milwaukee Bucks have to do to take the series from Toronto? Giannis has to do everything he's been doing, which is literally everything for his team. Thanks for that great analysis. Thank you. The listeners appreciate Um, that. that, That's what I'm here for. But uh, he no, he leads the team in all the major statistical categories: points, rebounds, assists, blocks. You name it. He probably leads the team in it. He obviously has to continue doing that, but he's he's going to have to score a little more. He's going to be playing probably every position at one point. I mean, I, and I do think the Toronto Raptors are susceptible to a, a first-round loss because for whatever reason, the Raptors have these mental issues and roadblocks in the playoffs the last two years where they were supposed to be the best team and then they just do not play like it. So I think... I think Milwaukee could give them a good scare, and I have a feeling it goes seven games, just because I really like the Bucks, and they kind of play some weird lineups. Uh, Tony Snell has been playing a lot better this year since he got traded. Um, the problem is after Atentacumpo and maybe Chris Middleton, who is you know not not well, he's being rested this tonight. But he'll play. Chris Middleton's a great scorer. They have a couple of guys who have been coming along great. Malcolm Brogdon's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. Um, they have they have a vet in Jason Terry. They have a decent mix of guys who have kind of been there before. Some guys who haven't really been there before. So I think they have the right mix of youth and veteran leadership to potentially steal the series. But I don't think they will. I have Toronto in seven. Paul, uh, this I'm actually going to sound. Uh, I, I think that I agree that it could go seven, but I'm actually going to pick uh, Raptors in five. I really feel that the Abaca trade when PJ Tucker trade at the deadline really is going to make them another team go, take them to another level. The Raptors, you know, they're a t- they're a top ten defense in the since actually top five defense since the All Star break. So they're playing really good defense, adding really good defensive players, and those two guys. Now you're having now you have Kyle Lowry coming back. Demar Derozan's already a, a crazy unique talent and, and his own just offensively. He's gone to another level this year with his ability to draw fouls. He's almost automatic from for mid range. Um, you know, and then you got gritty pieces like Corey Joseph. You have a Valanciunas who can be you know a little bit versatile as far as playing bigger or playing small uh, with different lineups. So I'm going to take Toronto in um, in five, and I just feel like the Bucks. You know. A really good defense is going to take away what you want to do. So they're going to take away. They're going to try their best to take away the paint from Giannis. Try to make him a shooter. That's his weakness. Uh, I don't. I don't think Chris Middleton's that that great of creating for himself. I think he needs somebody who can drive in there and get him shots. So I, I really don't feel like uh, like Toronto has a lot. Of, I mean, uh, Milwaukee has a lot of weapons. So I'll take uh, Toronto in five here. I, you know, I'm going to split the difference with you guys. We all agree with who the winner is, but um, I think that the Bucks can take a couple of games. If if you look at what the who, who the Bucks are and what they do. They, they move the ball extremely well. And that's where I think it's going to give Toronto a bit of a scare, but not, not one that they can't recover from. I mean, the, the, the Bucks are fifth in the NBA with assists. They're, they're 24.2 assists per game. The, the trouble here 
is that they're a bad rebounding team. Uh, and, and if you look at Toronto, they have some studs um, down low, right? I mean, frankly, they've just got some studs. And you, and you mentioned you got Ibaka there, you got Valentinus there. The, and if you look at the, the points that they're giving up per game uh, and then the points that they're scoring per game, when I say that they're average, I'm talking about they have the exact same number, 103.7 points per game scored and 103.7 points per game allowed. Uh, there, there's just not a ton special about Milwaukee. I think that they've been, you know, they're playing ahead of their trajectory, uh, which is which is great for Milwaukee Buck fans. But it's just they're just not there yet. They're a couple of pieces away. Uh, Toronto is supposed to be there. I think that there's the pride factor. You know, I see Toronto taking that in in six games, frankly. Uh, next up, guys, is the Atlanta Hawks, uh, number five seed. Though very underwhelming, uh, just as like the the Milwaukee Bucks are playing ahead of the curve, it seems like Atlanta is always letting us down. Uh, and Atlanta, forty three and thirty eight, are going to take on the Washington Wizards, who for a time were the darlings of the East. Right, they were supposed to really compete out East and give Cleveland a run for their money, and, and somehow they've dropped all the way back down to the fourth spot. They're forty nine and thirty two on the year. Um, the Wizards again have have won the season series, just like these other rounds or these other these other matchups we've talked about. They they've gone three to one. The last game being March twenty second, uh, in which Washington squeaked out a win by four points uh, over the Hawks. This is a tough one. I you know I'm glad to see you know a guy like Dwight Howard. I'm glad to see Coach Bud in the in the playoffs. Um, you know that's always a good a good feeling. This is one where I feel like it could really go either way. And you know what, Paul, I'm I'm interested in your analysis with this because you know Washington has some really solid guard play uh, and maybe the best one of the best point guards in the league uh, in John Wall. And you look at what Atlanta does, and it's just it. I I just don't know how they're going to deal with John Wall. So uh, especially if he's on his game. So I'm really interested in your analysis of this game. Or this yeah, series, I, mean, I guess. You hit it right there on the head is that Washington was playing really, really good basketball, especially right after the new year. Um, they kind of recovered from from a, from a bad start, and they were like right there with, with Cleveland and, and Toronto and putting up some really great, crazy numbers. But their defense has just slipped since the All-Star break. We you know, we talk about the Cavs having a bad defense. Well, the Wizards like right behind them as far as like they're giving up like 110.6 points per 100 possessions, which is really bad. Um, that's in the bottom 20 uh, since the All-Star break. Uh, I just feel that you know, Atlanta's going to stay in some games just because their defense, you know, Co- Coach Bud keeps them honest on that end of the floor. Uh, you know, you have Dwight there protecting the rim. But I feel overall it's going to come down to who has more weapons on the offensive end, and I feel that is Washington. So I'm going to go ahead and take Washington in, in six there. Uh, I think Atlanta will get maybe two games. Uh, but I feel like the Hawks just don't have enough scoring uh, to keep up with, with, like you said, John Wall. You have Bradley Beal. You have Otto Porter shooting a crazy high three-point percentage. You have Markeith, Car- Markeith Morris who could give you like a 20-point game here and there. You got Gortad. You just got – and then uh, they made that trade from Boyan Bogdanovich as well. So I just feel um, in this series, Washington should be okay. It's going to be like in the later rounds where I'm not going to feel comfortable picking them in the series. Yeah, I, I do not trust the Hawks to do anything good because the Hawks – don't give Atlanta anything nice. Atlanta does not have nice things. This is a fact. Uh, you all saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Atlanta doesn't get nice things. So I have Washington winning as well. My breakout star for this series is Otto Porter Jr. That's my boy. He's been playing incredibly well. 
and he's he was the league leader at one point in three point percentage. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. still the case, but he was up there. Um, they have a couple of other guys I really like. I'm a big fan of Kelly Oubre Jr., who's underrated in my opinion. Uh, they have a guy Tomas Sadoransky who has been he's had his moments as a rookie. Obviously, Bradley Beal, very good shooter. Um, they even picked up Brandon Jennings as a backup, which isn't a terrible idea. No, I think it's, um, it's wonderful. I mean, backup point guards in this league, Brandon, you could do a lot worse than Brandon Jennings. Yeah, huge. They also have Trey Burke, for what that's worth. Um, <laughs> but John Wall is going to be great because uh, he's John Wall, and that's what he does. He does not run into walls. He runs through them. Um, Markeith Morris uh, has been super clutch this year at times, actually. Uh, a lot of people were giving the Morris twins a lot of crap because they, the whole thing about, oh, we have to play together. And I think there were locker room issues in Phoenix or whatever. But, I mean, Markeith has been really good this year. I like him a lot. Uh, I've always been a fan of Marcin Gortat from his Orlando days. And I just like to say that this team started off 6-12 and 12 to start the year. And... They they had that incredible run. I think, like Paul was saying, it was it might have started like right before the All Star break, and it continued right after. They they won a ridiculous like thirteen or fourteen straight home games, which really propelled them to to even getting the fourth seed right now. And I mean, without that kind of run, they they may not even make the playoffs. So I, I really like this team. I like their spurt ability, as some some college analysts like to say. Spurt ability. Yeah, like being able to score in spurts, spurtability. Amazing. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> hey man, that's what I'm here for. You, you listen to Bill Walton enough, you hear some crazy stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, their defense does concern me, but not enough in this first round matchup. And I've got the Wiz in five. Hey, I, I agree. I, I think Washington takes the series. I think it's in six games. I think that uh, Bajanovic is going to be the all star of this because he's going to be going against less than stellar talent uh in that second unit uh just a stud shooter i i, I just i washington's gonna win they're gonna lose a couple of games and and, and that's okay i mean it's a four or five matchup right so uh these are supposed to be the two most easy you know evenly matched teams in this in the uh in the playoffs out east you know that all said uh i you know i think washington can take care of business in six so guys what we've done out east is somehow and a good thing jose's not here because he's just wants to be a contrarian and he will uh he'll throw out you know uh, a, a random team he'll you know he'll pick the bucks to win it all just to do you know just to mess with the system here but what <laughs> absolutely we've, what we've done is we've all picked the exact same team so um, you know, through this, we've got Boston, Cleveland, Toronto, and Washington moving on to the next round. So when we look at that bracket, and again, a lot can happen in the first round. I mean, you can have injuries, you can have people just go ice cold, and you think that carries into the second round. But if we're looking at this, those next round matchups, uh, you know, out at the top of the bracket are going to be Boston and Washington. At the bottom of the bracket, um, that's going to be Cleveland and, and Toronto. So guys, looking through that Cleveland and Toronto series, what, what would you? What's your prediction? I mean, we won't do a breakdown there because it's obviously very premature. But just your prediction of how a Cleveland and Toronto series would go. Uh, for, Paul, sorry, yeah. Uh, for me, it it starts with kind of like you said. What what, what 
Cleveland team is this in round one? What are we going to see? Is it going to be this Cleveland team that's been ending the series, uh, ending the season, playing no defense, kind of giving up big leads? Or is it going to be that team that went into Boston the other night and just beat the crap out of them and, and just show that, you know, we're still we're still one of the elite teams. We have LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love. We have a lot of firepower. I think if, if it's that team, um, they should be okay. I think I would, I would just early would just take the Cavs in six probably. But, I mean, it, it again, it depends what, what Cavs team is going to show up. Uh, we have to see. I think a lot of it comes down to how Toronto's bigs play. Because when you think about it, Cleveland doesn't really have talented or skilled bigs. They like have Tristan Thompson who <laughs> one yeah, they have Tristan. Tri- Tristan Thompson who boards the crap out of the ball. But if if you basically assign a guy to him to say, listen, box him out the entire game, don't let him get a board at any cost. You you destroy a lot of Cleveland's offense because they rely on him for so many extra possessions and offensive rebounds. So I think if Toronto's big show up, play really good D and score just enough, I think they could potentially take the series. It would not. And like Paul right. And what Paul, like what Paul said, are we going to get the Jekyll or the Hyde Cleveland? That's what we have to find out. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, these teams are, one game apart, uh, you know, and they're a two and three seed right now. I mean, Cleveland's got 51 year, uh, wins on the year. Toronto's got those 50 wins on the year. So there's only a game between them. Uh, these are pretty close, uh, you know, w- when you look at the Eastern Conference. I-, I feel like Cleveland should win this series because they're Cleveland. They've got all those stars. They've got, you know, one of the best, if not the best player uh, in the NBA. And genera- generationally, you know, the best player in LeBron James. They should win this series. Uh, you know, it's that guard play for me. Um, it, it's sort of sort of the opposite from you there, Ben. It's the guard play there. If you've got Lowry and DeRozan just going off, uh, that's going to be tough to, to, to tangle with um, simply because I, I look at what they can do defensively on a guy like Kevin Love and kind of shut him down. Uh, I think there's going to be some problems there. So in this one, I, I look at it and say, I'm going to pick Cleveland just because of LeBron James, but other than that, I don't know why I'm picking Cleveland. <laughs> but I think we all, we all took uh, Cleveland in that, in that second round. So let's go to the top of the bracket. you got Boston and Washington. And for me, guys, this is a series where you know, I look at uh, a team like Washington and they could really compete in this series, and I'd actually predict Washington to, to take out Boston in that second round. And, and let's go to Ben. And Ben, what are your thoughts on, on that series? I like your bold prediction, sir, but I don't think Washington quite has the pedigree that Boston does. See, well, what does and that even mean? I hear that stuff, the pedigree. Like, these guys, who are these guys? Nobody, They're nobody no knows what it means, but it's provocative. <laughs> it gets the people going. It gets the people going, yeah. Well said. Uh, um, no, but they, they have a lot of guys who have seen play. They have a lot more guys who have seen playoff time. Uh, Brad Stevens may may not have seen as much, uh, you know, as many playoff series or games as Scott Brooks, but he everyone agrees he's a very very good coach. He's a great coach even, and certainly deserves some recognition for coach of the year. You know, he'll probably finish third or fourth uh, this year, but he's a very good coach. So I think I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Um, but if if John Wall and Bradley Beal get hot, though, they're going to be real hard to stop. So I think that'll be a really close one, but I think Boston will take it. Yeah, I, I would. I would actually. Uh, I would also take the Celtics probably in seven in that one, just because I feel like 
Washington doesn't have that defensive backbone that, that you really need. So, like, they need to really make life tough for Isaiah Thomas, whether it's double team or trapping or whatever. And I don't feel like they have the discipline to do that. Whereas Boston has a bunch of guards. You know, you got Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, uh, Jalen Brown, a lot of good defensive guards, Jay Crowder, who they can throw at Wall and Beal at, at different minutes and kind of just keep, you know, limit them as much as possible. Um, so I feel like, like um, even though the, talent-wise, there's more scoring and stuff on, on Washington's side, but I feel like discipline-wise um, and just getting get, uh, eking games out, it's going to be, uh, it would be Boston. Something like seven. So you guys have Boston coming out on, on that side. So what you have is a Boston Celtics, Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Eastern Conference Championship game uh, or series. So that being said, predictions. Who's coming out of the East? We'll start with Paul. Who's going to be the Eastern Conference championship or champion, and how are they going to win the championship? Even though all the numbers and like almost like it seems like basketball logic say it's not Cleveland, I think it's still Cleveland. You know, you got to you got to take the, take out LeBron. Uh, you, I got to see it happen before before we say it's gonna you know before the numbers projected and all this stuff. I just feel like they just have you still have Kyrie on the other side. You have Kevin Love. You have a lot of talent on Cleveland's end, um, and they haven't been knocked out. LeBron's been in the finals, I think, what six straight years mm-hmm. between Miami and Cleveland. So it, it, until somebody does it, I'm not going to count LeBron out. LeBron out. Uh, I'm going to say Boston because Cleveland's defense is atrocious, and Tyron Lue. Uh, just doesn't feel like doing anything about it or the players don't really listen to him or whatever. Well, and he's not the coach. Why would they listen to him? Well, that's fair. He's just wearing the tie. Um, I, I, I don't trust the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know they have LeBron. I know they have good players. I've seen those good players. I know what they're capable of, but they haven't lived up to that potential, you know, even despite winning more than 50 games this year. I'm sure everyone thought they were going to win closer to 60, but bought, I, I think the blowout against Boston was kind of fluky because Boston can play much better than that. And I think over the course of a series where you know what your opponent wants to do, that favors Boston because Brad Stevens is a much better coach. All right. Um, uh- so I had Washington. For me, it was Washington and Cleveland, but it doesn't really matter because I, you know, I'm I'm with Paul. It, you're the king until you know somebody knocks you off of there, and there's no reason to believe that LeBron James can't still, you know, be magical <laughs> uh, and uh, and take this series single-handedly, just change the way that the Eastern Conference playoffs, uh, you know, unfold. So I, I think it has less to do with the rest of his teammates and, and, and less to do about Boston and more to do about LeBron James. And, and so I'm, I'm buying all the LeBron James stock that people have been selling as of late. And, uh, you know, I, I see Cleveland coming out of the East. So um, it looks like we're split there at the top. So we've got Paul and myself uh, with, uh, with, with Cleveland. Uh, you know, Ben, you've got Boston, and then speaking for Jose because he still had Toronto. He again at the beginning of the year he picked Toronto, so he I think he he would probably say he'd stick with it. So the East is just a mess. What we are most interested in though is the West, right? So the West for me has this year they they've returned to prominence, right? Last year, despite having Cleveland win uh, the NBA championship. Um, you know, and, and coming in as the reigning reigning champion, you know, you looked at the West, and it's not that they were having a downtime, but 
or down years, but there was this rising momentum out east, right? We were all told that, that, you know, with the rise of Toronto, with Cleveland, um, you know, Miami had several great years right back to back. Washington's always had some promise around them. Of course, you have Paul George uh, there in Indiana. So the east was supposed to be something um, that, that we should be wary about. And I, left, I even left out the Boston Celtics there, but... You know, the East was supposed to be something special in a, in a few years. We were saying that several years ago. Uh, the story is still about the West. You've got the number one and number two overall records in the NBA with the Golden State Warriors and San Antonio Spurs. Golden State just reloaded, uh, has gotten even better. San Antonio has done the same. Uh, the 60-win teams exist in the West. The two favorites for the NBA MVP exist in the West. The Western Conference uh, is stacked again. Uh, this is, the, again, the bracket that is the most interesting. It's going to be the most fun to watch. So what we'll do is we'll go, again, just like we do with the East, we'll go through each series. We're going to save San Antonio for the last of this first round talk about them. Um, if we're pretty consistent, then we'll jump through and, and try to do the rest of the bracket here. But the first series we have uh, are those Golden State Warriors, 66-15 and 15 on the year. Again, another ridiculous year. Um, against the Portland Trailblazers, 41-40. and 40. Amazing. An amazing year for the Portland Trailblazers. Yet again, uh, Damian Lillard kind of willing them into the playoffs. C.J. McCollum having a great year. Um, so, I, you know, I'm interested in, in you got your take on that series. I think I know where we're all going to end up. But, but, Ben, you know, how many games can Portland take from Golden State, if any, uh, and what what kind of games is it going to take from you know those secondary level players like a CJ McCollum to make that happen? I think they take one game, just because Portland is just going to have one of those ridiculous nights where like three or four dudes get hot. It's going to be like a Damian Lillard, a CJ McCollum, a Maurice Harkless, a night where Al Farouk Aminu hits his threes, and then that forces them to space the floor, and then Yusuf Nurchich just does crazy things from his position which i'm i didn't even know were possible and then you, you just there's there's enough guys behind them to make to make it work for the second unit um but i, I see them taking one game that's it from golden state paul uh i'm actually i have the same thing as well i have uh golden state in five and five um i just feel that Actually, Portland's been playing the, the the best basketball outside of Golden State since the All-Star break, even better than San Antonio and some of the other teams. So um, Portland's been really good here down the stretch. But, you know, their offense is almost exactly the same uh, post-All-Star break, but that's basically saying that's without KD. Now you're adding KD to that mix of Golden State. And so that's the thing is that this Warriors team is about to get a guy who gives you 27 points a game. Um, I think that there's going to be one game where there's going to be some sort of like a little adjustment because KD's only played, I think, I think like three or four games with them. He won't get a lot of reps yet, so there's going to be that one game where there's some adjustment offensively for Golden State, where um where you, you're kind of seeing that little um you know just KD take the shots, the Steph, where does the offense flow through? Um, I think that's going to be one, one of those games in that series, and then uh you know I, I think a guy like Nurkic can just help, help them get a game. Uh, you know you, like like Ben said, you have CJ McCollum, you have Alan Crabb, you have all these guys that that'll get hot in one game for Portland, but outside of that, I, I think it's Golden State's, and and it would not surprise me if the Warriors swept them as well. Yeah, we're spending all this time talking about uh, Portland, and I even was talking them up. And I, I'm predicting it's a clean sweep, an easy sweep uh, for Golden State. I think they just kill them, uh, and it's not it's not close. I I think they win each game by ten points. Uh, it, it's I, for me. There's just way too much firepower. Um, the, Golden State's a really really good 
if not number one in the league, I'd have to look that back up. But, I mean, they've led the league in defense all year long, right? They're a great uh, team. Yeah, the, well, the Spurs are the, the best defense in the league, but uh, but the Warriors are, are are number two, and they're basically right on the heels of the Spurs. It's like it's like less than a tenth of a point or something. Yeah, right. They've been trading on and off. I mean, the Golden State is is a phenomenal team. Kevin Durant's playing great defense. I, I think, or I mean, he was before he went out with the injury. I, I don't think it's close. I think Golden State takes that uh, that series and does it pretty big. We're gonna save the San Antonio um, series for for the last in this round. So let's jump to. Um, you know the next lowest seed uh, is is the most exciting series in in the playoffs, and I and I think you guys know where I'm going. I'm talking the Houston Rockets against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, this this series for me, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Houston. You know, I know we all watch the Texas teams, and uh, most of our listener base does as well, and so it has is a, has some awareness. But this is national awareness. These are the two leading MVP candidates. These are um, you know a guy who is number one in assists in the league in James Harden, is a 29-point-per-night scorer in James Harden, has totally revamped, uh, you know, is all, and, and by the way, almost has 10 boards again, totally revamped um, his game to play point guard for a new coach, Mike D'Antoni, um, and they've gotten some other serious firepower on their team with guys like Ryan Anderson, Lou Williams as of late, of course, Eric Gordon, a defensive stopper like Patrick Beverly, they've got a really solid team. Uh, and then you look at Oklahoma City, and they've got the same old crew minus Kevin Durant. Ennis Cantor's okay. Steven Adams is pretty much one-dimensional. Uh, and then you have this triple-double machine uh, in Russell Westbrook. And, you know, dig into the triple-double a little bit because, you know, James Harden's got 21 triple-doubles. Russell Westbrook, of course, has an all-time NBA record of, of 42 triple-doubles. But these guys have almost the same season averages all the way through. Points, assists, rebounds. It's all really, really close. And so all of that being said, triple-double is kind of a made-up thing, right? Like, is is a is it the fact that he's got you know, 30 points a night, 10 boards, and 10 assists. Is it really that big of a difference between those that 10th assists and the 9 assists? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it really, like, the triple-double is a made-up stat. It's important, but there's no, it's not like the 42 triple-doubles is really that different in my book from James Harden's 21 triple-doubles. It's pretty amazing, but their season averages in those statistical categories are, are virtually identical. So talk a little bit about that, Paul, and and then how do you see this series unfolding? Yeah, just real quick on the triple-double thing. Um, something that made me laugh yesterday was I, I was just looking at the NBA's stats, and I was looking at you know, Russ's 42 triple-doubles. A guy named Tim Frazier, he's a backup point guard on the Pelicans, I think. Yeah, I think he's on the Pelicans. He actually has a triple-double yeah. this season. So it's like... If you know as much as and then I was looking at some some past triple doubles in Ricky prior Rubio years. There's has some triple double. Yeah, there, there's like but there's like some random dudes that have triple doubles across Alfred the league. Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton, exactly. Like there's, and you're right, Ryan. It's almost like they're just they're just um making it notable because it's it's hitting that 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 ten mark that double digit mark. But outside of that, you know, I'm pretty sure Tim Frazier wasn't going to that game aiming for a triple double or anything like that. He just grabbed some rebounds. You know, his guys made some shots and he scored 14 points. Like it's not, you know. 
obviously it's hard to do because nobody's done it, you know, for a whole season outside of Russ and Oscar. And, you know, like a spur hasn't even done it this year. But, you know, it's just it's something that I feel like it's more like kind of fluky. It's just in the moment of the game. And I don't think players are actually seeking it. And you're right. It would just be a, a non-factor if, if we just didn't call it triple doubles and it wasn't notable and recorded as a stat. Um, it, it would just basically be, a, you know, a basketball game, a basketball normal um, occurrence. Um, as for the series, I'm going to take Houston and six. Um, I feel I uh, over at the other side, I write for analyzing the league.com. I had wrote a piece because I noticed that the Rockets had lost to somebody um, one night and it was another top 10 defense. And I was like, why do the Rockets keep losing to, to, to really good defenses? And so I looked up the stat. And it was at the end of March and they were like 14 and 17 against all the 10 best defenses in the league. And, and there's something to that. It's just that, you know, in, in the playoffs against really good defenses, they slow the pace down. So Houston's running gun attack really gets limited a little bit. Um, you know, you can really teams are either going to uh, double Harden or they're going to let Harden. It's going to be like the Steve Nash philosophy: let let Nash score, you know, thirty to forty on us and take his shooters out of the, out of the equation, take his lobs to Clint Capella. I think that's the approach that the Thunder will take into the series. They're a really good defense. You still got Robertson out there. You got um, Stephen Adams. Uh, so some of those guys. Tosh Gibson's a good underrated defender. So I, I think that that OKC they're just not going to have the, the, the offensive firepower to keep up with Houston. So I'm going to have the the Rockets and six in that series. Nice. All right. I like that. Um, you I have, you have, have Ben's approval, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> no. Um, I also like Houston to win. Um, I don't like everybody playing down the triple-double, though, because if it was so easy, then then we if it was so easy and so commonplace we wouldn't actually still be talking about it like we have this year so let's not say it isn't a thing well, that's no, always, no. that's well dude that's t- my issue with some people trying to downplay it well i mean but, okay so <laughs> i'm going to be one of those guys and not just i'm sitting here trying to defend james harden because you know that's i've got a, like a rooting interest in this um, but their their statistics are it, almost exactly the same. One has Russell one more. Westbrook rebounds the ball more than two rebounds per game better. Well, oh, yeah, okay. So I mean, but they're they're really close. But I mean, James Harden has more assists per game. Russell Westbrook has one more point per game. It's they're not far apart. They're I mean, they're they're just not it, far apart. It may not look far apart to the naked eye, but if you or look at the roster and the makeup of each team, it is a huge. Difference because Russell Westbrook is working with a hot pile of garbage. Okay, Russell Westbrook's best player he's playing with is who is it? Is it Victor Oladipo? Stephen Adams? I mean, who's who's his second best player? Houston has a potential sixth man of the year in Eric Gordon and a bunch of other scoring options in Ryan Anderson and Trevor Ariza and. Lou Williams, who was a sixth man of the year at one point. So if we're going to play that game, then yes, James Harden should have more assists than Russell Westbrook because essentially his guys should be making more shots after he gives them the ball. But but it, these guys were all gar- – like when when Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon were on the Pelicans, that, that they were garbage, right? But when they go – No, over that to team Houston, was garbage. They were saying, still, but they well, were Eric that Gordon team. had injury – Eric Gordon had injury issues. That was he could he could always be a good player, but he always had injury problems. Yeah. Ryan Anderson was always a solid player, but it was always going to be hard for him in New Orleans because Anthony Davis was always going to be the dude. And I'm not sure they had a really 
they had a real point guard to dish them the ball like James Harden has transformed into this year. Also, Mike D'Antoni, coach of the year consideration while we're at it. Right, right. Okay, so um, you know, I don't think we're going to go anywhere with that. I mean, we're we're both. Kind of, I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm I'm just saying that if we're if we're talking about Russell Westbrook as an NBA NBA MVP because of the triple double factor, I think that's a mistake because his team's not. I mean, they're a six seed, which is a phenomenal that they're even in the playoffs, right? Uh, and they're a six seed, which is great. Uh, but his statistics are not that different from James Harden, and James Harden's a winner. On you know, he's got a winning team. Right. That's fine. I'm I'm not saying he should win it because of the triple doubles. I am saying they are a factor though. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, right on. So who okay. do you think wins the series? I <laughs> think said all that. I think Houston <laughs> wins the series. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, all that all that said. <laughs> After all that bluster, um Houston wins the series. Um, but I think in seven games, because I think Russell Westbrook will basically win three games on his own. I think he's that good to win three games on his own. And like Paul said, all these awards are being voted on on Friday. So we're not going to – you don't make your votes based on what happens in the playoffs because watching things through a postseason would change a lot of people's votes on a lot of different things, which is not necessarily fair. So um, I, I like Houston to win in seven. But Russell Westbrook will probably have three triple-doubles and – Harden will have two. I'm calling it. Yeah, I I'm agreeing with you almost straight. Both you guys almost straight down the line. Except I I've got um, you know Houston and six. I I think that Russell Westbrook's going to single handedly win a couple of games. He's just going to go off for a ridiculous amount of points. You know he's going to get his his uh, uh you know other stat the other stats in his line are going to look great. Um, I I feel like he's got there. There's just not going to be enough enough depth. And I, I think that, um, you know, if you – Houston has a good enough defensive team, especially with a wing defender like Patrick Beverly, uh, that you could, you could literally just shut down the rest of their team. Right? You know what I mean? And so it is truly a one-man show at that point. And I think Russell Westbrook's good enough to will them to a couple of, of wins. But, you know, when they are essentially just neutralized between – James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they're going to score the same number of points and they're just going to basically take each other out of the game from a statistical perspective um, that, uh, that is just going to be, a, you know, Houston is going to overtake them uh, in the series. And I think that Houston does it in six games. Uh, now we're on to LA Clippers and the Utah Jazz. Uh, Utah, 50 wins. LA, 50 wins. Uh, if, you know, playoffs started right now. Uh, this is a really interesting matchup because you know Utah is finally turning it on. Where for several years we thought Utah was uh, was gaining ground out west and that they would be a competitor. Uh, this is the year. I know that you you guys are both hot on Quinn Snyder. You know Ben, I'll start with you. Uh, you know this is a, a battle of you know Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert, um, a couple of other pieces on that team against three you know all stars and Chris Paul. Uh, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and of course, you know, for me, JJ Redick is always an X factor. Uh, unrestricted free agent, by the way, at the end of the year, look would look great in silver and black. Uh, talk about that series with Utah and LA. I'm I'm really excited. 
Because I've been trying to hype up the Utah Jazz for like three years now, and they're finally coming back for me. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, and it's a chance to watch our boy Boris Diaw ball out. So um, I I think the Jazz can win the series, especially if they end up with home court advantage. I really, really like um, Rudy Gobert. That's my guy. Um, underrated player who never gets enough love somehow, Gordon Hayward. I think he's going to have some really good games. Uh, Rodney Hood, a really good shooter, really big shooter for that matter, 6'8 at the shooting guard position. So I think defensively that's going to be that's going to help them a lot too. Um, I think some of the underrated guys or some of the guys will go under the radar in this series are Trey Lyles. I like uh, – he – he always excites me during summer league. He always balls out in summer league, but has kind of struggled uh, in the regular season at times. And Joe Johnson, he's been he's been surprisingly good this year, especially when you don't let him ISO Joe you. Right. So I, I like the Jazz, and I think it'll go six games. Paul? Uh, I've got the Clippers in seven. Uh, I think they're going to end up at home court because all they have to do is um, beat um, – the Kings tonight, and then even if the Jazz beat the Spurs tonight, it doesn't matter. The Clips will get home court. Uh, I, I, you know, the Clips were just in town the other day, and based on their their body language and everything that that that, that Doc was saying, it feels like, you know, they they started off really hot to start the year, especially defensively. They were like a monster. They were they were holding teams like ninety two points per one hundred possessions. This for like first ten games, their their starting lineup was really good. It was one of the the top ones behind Golden State in the NBA, and I feel like they're getting back to that point now, um, where they have like a very balanced offensive attack. They're 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 becoming an elite defense again. So I feel like when you look at the matchup, you know, their two best players, uh, scorers at least, are, are Blake Griffin for the Clippers and, and Gordon Hayward for the for the Jazz. I feel like Utah doesn't have the firepower. If, if uh, you put Luke Mbamute and then you, you corral him with, uh, with with help from DeAndre and, and Blake, some of these guys, I feel like the, the, like the Clips are going to overwhelm the Jazz a little bit. So I just feel like offensively the Jazz don't, aren't going to have um, enough firepower to keep up with the Clips, whereas you have Chris Paul going, who could go crazy, you have a... Uh, uh, Redick, you have you know Jordan for those those uh, lob dunks and everything like that and putbacks, and then you have Blake of course, and then you know you have, you have guys like Jamal Crawford off the bench. So there's just a lot more um, potentially on offense for 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 the Clippers. So I'm going to take Clips in seven. Yeah, I, I'm as well with 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 uh, Paul. I, I feel like I want I really want Utah to win. I re- I hate LA. I, I really want Utah to win. Uh, I just don't think that they've got the firepower. Um, DeAndre Jordan. Is is gonna have a? Um, I'm not gonna. I, I was about to say a field day and, and kind of caught myself because it, he's not gonna have a field day against a guy like Rudy Gobert. The challenge is um, is is Rudy Gobert gonna get into foul trouble? Uh, is is you know it's gonna be a battle between those two guys for who's gonna foul out first? Uh, it, you know, in my mind. Uh, and then when you're left with a guy like Blake Griffin, I think you neutralize Gordon Haywood, and then you talk about a Hall of Famer there in Chris Paul, and that's what you're left with. And I think I think that that in and of itself is a little too much. Uh, we haven't even really talked the J.J. Redick factor, um, be able to really space the floor. Uh, Austin Rivers is give, Austin Rivers is giving you 12 points a night. Uh, it, you know I just think that L.A. is a little too much for the Utah. Worst. Yeah, <laughs> just a little too much right now for Utah. Uh, I have uh, L.A. winning that series. I, I think it's in five, five or six games. So, and I'll go with, uh, I'll just go with five. Uh, just we can to, all agree that the different. Clippers are the worst, though, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, well, so whiny. Well, you only uh, have to ben, deal with that one more time. You know, this season that's breaking up this summer. 
Ben, how many games did you have Utah in? Uh, what did I say? I think I said six. Six? Okay, cool. Uh, okay, and that means that we are left with the Memphis Grizzlies against our very own San Antonio Spurs. San Antonio, 61-20, second-best record in the NBA. They've been on a bit of a slide uh, as of late in the past four games. Uh, Memphis, 43-38, and 38, the seventh seed. Uh, I'm not saying lucky to be in, but it, you know, I have this thing where I feel like they're always playing Memphis in the playoffs, and it turns out that I'm right. Uh, they are always playing Memphis in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, guys, talk a little bit about the Memphis-San Antonio matchup, two versus seven. We'll start with Paul, and uh, give your predictions there for that series. So this is one where the, st- the stats have not matched the eye test at all. So like like statistically, Memphis has a really bad defense since the All-Star break. They're like giving up 108.2 points per winter possession. It's like 18th or something like that. Whereas the Spurs, you know, elite, you know, number two. But every time they've played, in, you know, they've played like four times in the last like month and a half. So I've, I've re- you've really seen them both um, both with some core players in, with some core players out from both teams. And it's just so hard for San Antonio to score, whether Tony Allen's out there or not. Um, you know, the, the Memphis does a very good game plan of um, trapping Kawhi Leonard on pick and rolls, of double teaming him um, in the post ups. So they're just, it's it's weird how, like, I guess they're just so comfortable with the Spurs that they can make it that very grit and grind type of defense. And that really hampers San Antonio on offense. You know, it's taken a lot just for San Antonio to beat these guys twice this year. Um, and even when San Antonio was up, like, I think like 10 or 12 points, Memphis still made it a game where San Antonio did that, that crazy um, out of bounds play from, from Powell to LaMarcus Aldridge down the stretch there in one of the games. So, um, you know, it, it, it's like it's weird how on paper it, San Antonio seems like the overwhelming favorite. Like they could almost be a, uh, you know, it could almost be a five game series. Whereas with the eye test from what we've seen against what the Spurs against Memphis this year, it feels like this thing could go seven or even Memphis could, you know, could p- potentially pull an upset and it wouldn't be shocking. Ben, it's oh, God, I don't like it. I don't like this series. I hate Memphis. They're the worst. I don't care about the grindhouse. Um it's it's going to be a Spurs sweep, but it's going to be super ugly. It's going to be a bunch of 85 to 79, 88 to 80 games. Like a, there's, there's probably going to be like a 77 to 72 game or something in there. It's just going to be ugly basketball, but I think the Spurs are going to sweep. I have Memphis winning, you know, one game just because they typically do, you know, in these series. I think just like Paul saying, they they play uh, San Antonio pretty tough. I mean, this is one of those, this is just like a classic matchup, right, for, for old San Antonio. The problem is it's really not old San Antonio anymore. Um, you know, they're stretching the floor. Uh, Kawhi is coming to his own. They have the second uh, highest point differential. This is San Antonio in the NBA. Memphis is winning games, but their their point differential is less than a point. It's point seven. Uh, I, I just... And that's typical for for a team like Memphis. I think that uh, you know the Gasols are sort of neutralized uh, one another. I think that Dwayne Dedman has an opportunity for um, for a good showing. Of course, Brandon Wright on the other side of the court is kind of a Dwayne Dedman esque type you know player. Um, Tony Allen's a great defender. Kawhi Leonard's a great defender. I think you're going to need some some good play from the point guard position of San Antonio to take this one. I think that they have enough. Uh, and they've got they've got depth, so I you know I can see Memphis taking a game, but uh, no more than that. And San Antonio winning the series in, in a pretty uneventful uh, you know series of that. So, guys, let's let's take another quick look. We had Golden State, Houston, uh, in a split there between L.A. and Utah. 
And then, of course, we all had the Spurs winning that. So if we look through this and the way that the next round would go, uh, let's start at the top of the bracket, and that's Golden State uh, versus L.A. Uh, or Utah, if you're Ben. Talk about that first, Ben. What do you, what do you see in that Jazz-Golden State series? I see, I see alley-oops everywhere. <laughs> I see all of the Rudy Gobert finishes and blocks. There's a lot of stifling within the tower. Um, but I don't see enough of that for Utah to win. Um, J- Golden State's offense is just too good, and their defense has been great. As, as much as I like Utah, uh, they still got to take some of their bumps. And this is going to be a year in the playoffs where they have to take their bumps in the second round. And Golden State is kind of just destined to meet in the finals. Uh, you guys have them playing against Cleveland. I've got them against Boston, but I have them, I have them going to the finals. So that kind of spoils my next round, <laughs> I was too. Say, thanks, but, for, thanks for sorry. playing the game, Ben. Yeah, uh, I, I played that very poorly. Well, let's look over at Paul. This is actually, um, it, you know, you and me have the L.A. Clippers going into that second round uh, and playing Golden State. This is, uh, for me, this is the like dream matchup. If anybody other than San Antonio is going to take out Golden State, it's going to be the L.A. Clippers because they're a matchup problem, and they always have been for Golden State in my estimation. Now, that being said, I think the Golden State plays are pretty tough, and I think that they're a little too much, and Golden State wins that series, especially now with Durant there. Uh, but that's my opinion. Paul, what's your opinion of that series? Uh, I've also got Golden State in six in that one. I just, um, you know, Blake and DJ really have to take advantage of, of the smaller front quarter to Golden State with KD and, and, and Draymond back there and, you know, Zaza. But overall, I just feel like they have, one, they have their number um, as far as like a mental game. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about how the, how the Clippers really, for for like two or three years now, Golden State just had their number where they just, you know, they just they just cave whenever they play the Warriors. And uh, they haven't been pretty games uh, with, with the two of those two teams in the last like two years. So I've got, I've got Warriors in six, should those two teams, two teams meet. And the bottom For the record, I have I have my series going seven games. I don't think I gave a number on that. My bad. <laughs> well, at the bottom, oh, well, you had Utah in it, so it doesn't really matter. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> so that's the wrong choice. So, um, okay. You know, if you look at the bottom of the bracket, uh, you have the number three seed Houston Rockets going into San Antonio, the friendly confines of the AT and T Center to play the San Antonio Spurs in that second round. Uh, this is. I mean, for, again, this is if you're a guy like me, this is like a dream scenario, right, <laughs> to have these two uh, playing each other. Paul, what, what do you think is going to end up in the, the San Antonio and Rocket series? Um, real quick, going back to our, our last San Antonio thing, um, series, I, I didn't actually get my number, so I, I, I'm going to say Spurs and six over the Grizzlies. Um, now transitioning to San Antonio, Houston, um, like I mentioned earlier about the Rockets, uh, the Spurs, you know, they, they, they beat them 3-1 in the series this year. Um, you know, when, when the games start out, it just looks like Houston's going to run with, run away with it. They're going to blow them out because, you know, you see all the three point shooting, the fast pace, the tempo, you know, and, and all those guys are running, running and gunning ever. But really when it comes down to it through, through a 48 minute game, the Spurs do control the pace. They really slow it down. They have two excellent defenders to throw at James Harden and Kawhi and Danny Green who can share time on him. And I just feel like it's going to be like, like I said earlier, like the Suns type of strategy for pop. It's going to be like, you're going to make Harden say, either you go score 50 points for the Rockets and really be, um, you know, and we're going to take out your shooters or uh, we're going to, we're going to really trap you on the pick and roll and see if, see if Eric Gordon, if Ryan Anderson can really beat us. Um, And so I just feel like with the pace control and everything like that, and Houston doesn't have a great defense. I feel like Kawhi can do whatever he wants against them. Uh, San Antonio should be okay. Maybe like in six games. 
Ben? I've got the Spurs taking it in five games. I think San Antonio is going to be able to put the clamps on Houston better than a lot of other teams. Um, the, the, stopping Harden is going to be impossible, but it's it's not an it's it's one of those you can't stop him, you can only hope to contain him type of deals. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to stay disciplined on the pump fakes and the reach throughs on offense. Because yeah. he will, he gets you on those pump fakes at the three point line. You get up and he just goes into you. He doesn't even care about making the shot. He says, "I'd rather get to the free throw line." Mm-hmm. So I think if you can do that, you make the shot clock wind down. You make him, you make him play full possessions on offense, and then make him play somewhat full possessions on defense. You're gonna wear him out real quick, and the Spurs are gonna get the looks they want. It's gonna be a matter of hitting them, and I think they will in the playoffs. So. I have the Spurs in five. Yeah, this is a series where, um, you know, I, I'm conflicted, right? Because, I mean, if you're, you're a listener to the show, like you guys obviously are, uh, you know, I'm, if I wasn't a San Antonio Spurs guy, I'd be, this, I'd be a Rockets guy. And, uh, and I'm a big-time fan of James Harden. I'm a big-time fan of what they're doing down there in Houston. The trouble is that San Antonio, from a wing perspective, just like Paul was mentioning, they're going to put Danny Green – as a primary defender on James Harden. And so what does that do? Well, that means that you, you've got a guy like Kawhi Leonard who, I, I, I'm telling you, he is going to be covering Ryan Anderson in this series, which means he's going to be covering the power forward position. Ryan Anderson is a three-point shooter, and offensively he's just going to go stand out there at the three-point line, which means that Kawhi Leonard's just going to go stand out there and rest on defense, right? You know, Kawhi Leonard is going to be ridiculous offensively in this series. He's going to be a 30-point-a-night scorer because he's not going to have so much play on the defensive end. He's not going to have to carry as much weight. I think uh, Dwayne Dedman is basically the same player as Clint Capella. Uh, Clint, you know, kind of give the edge skill-wise to Clint, but um, they're, they're basically neutralize each other. Eric Gordon, you, I mean, you the mix-up uh, or the mashup of – Tony Parker and um, Patty Mills should be enough there. I just think that that for every move that Houston has, uh, you know, San Antonio has that counter move. I think the difference maker is that Kawhi Leonard is, um, if he doesn't outscore James Harden in this series, he's going to be right there with him. I think he's just going to have a ridiculous offensive series. I had San Antonio winning that in six games. I, I like this series. I think it's going to be a good opportunity for Bertans to get out and potentially play a lot of defense on Ryan Anderson because yeah. they're a very similar player. I think Bertans Bertan is obviously younger. He's a little more athletic. But for the most part, they're kind of four guys who can step out, shoot the three, or go down and post up if needed. So when Kawhi Leonard isn't getting rest by playing defense out on the on the wing on Ryan Anderson, it could be Bertans getting a lot of run there, which yeah. could be fun. Well, this is the series, if you guys listened to the last show, I mean, this I, I've been saying that the, the Spurs are only going to go as far in the playoffs as Danny Green's defensive performance. This is the series where it starts. Danny Green is going to, from this point forward in the playoffs, he's going to draw the, the toughest backcourt player of the of opposing team. And in this case, it's it's going to be James Harden. We'll talk about in future rounds here in just a second. But Danny Green is going to have a, a good series. He's going to 
you know, stymie James Harden as much as you can, right? So we're talking 25 to 30 points a night, but he's not going to be getting easy shots. He's going to work hard, uh, and, you know, his assist game is going to be off a bit. I think Danny Green does a really good job on the NBA MVP in James Harden in this series. So, again, six games. Uh, so then in that next round, guys, we have, I think we all agree on this, It's you got Golden State-San Antonio uh, in that next round. And we'll start with Paul. I mean, we we're gonna end up doing whole shows on this if we could get this. You know, if, this, if the Spurs make it this far, uh, but we'll do whole shows dedicated to the series. But just a little bit of a preview. How do you think that Golden State San Antonio series would go? Uh, you know, based on just what I've seen from the eye test of the Spurs lately, and and the, and the numbers too, I have Golden State in five in that series. Um, the difference between like OKC and, and the Rockets guarding them is a lot different from the Warriors because the Warriors are a motion-based offense. They're not just you know Jay's hard and pick and roll, you know where you can kind of set your defense and prepare for it in different ways. This is like you got to have speed like uh, off the ball, like running running around screens with Clay, running around screens with Curry, uh, being able to play a pick and roll with Kevin Durant, being able to, to get ready for Draymond uh, dropping in and and kicking out threes to people. And then not only that, the Warriors are a great defense. They're they're the second best defense in the NBA, and they're they're basically as good as San Antonio. It's just that you know it's just like a a few, a few points here and there. Why San Antonio is the number one defense. So I just feel like uh, one part. One, one another thing is that I just don't think Powell and Deadman can survive in a Warriors series. I just don't. They're just the pace is going to be too quick for them. It's going to be really hard. Um, I, you know, on the switches, like I said, getting around screens and and and, and off ball picks and stuff like that. That I just don't think the Spurs have the offense to stay with the Warriors. And I don't think they're going to be able to to slow them down as much as they want to. I mean, you saw Golden State a few a few um. Uh, weeks ago, come in here, come to San Antonio, and and uh, come back down 22 points, and that was without Kevin Durant. And obviously, it's just one game, but it did it did show a lot of things that that people were kind of prepared for. Should these two teams meet in the in the in the playoffs? And I feel like that first game of the year when San Antonio beat them by like 28 points, that was more like a fluke. You know, nobody had Kevin Durant. It was his first game. The Spurs too didn't weren't this Spurs team. I mean, Jonathan Simmons has never scored that those 20 points ever again since that night. So I feel like uh, right now, based on what I've seen from the Spurs and the Warriors. Um, I, I have Golden State in five. Should they meet in the Western Conference Finals? Ben, woof. Uh, well, I already I played the game poorly. You already know who I'm picking. Uh, I've got I've got the Warriors, but in six games, I think the Spurs the Spurs defense will hold out one game longer than uh, Paul predicts. But like he said, it's a lot of running around. It's a lot of work for Tony Parker. I don't think he's going to last the series and. He has to be a pretty decent player in order for the Spurs to beat the Warriors in any game. So I think this is this this might be where some of the lack of youth hits the Spurs pretty hard. Um, so I, I got Warriors in six. I, I, the only hope that San Antonio has in that series, I think, comes with their second unit. Their first unit is, is going to have a really hard time. Uh, you know, keeping up with with Golden State, I think we're all we're all saying that the problem is that at that point guard position, we're all picking on that. You know, Golden State between Curry and Livingston from an, from an offensive output perspective, they're getting twenty five points a game from Curry. They're getting five points a game from Livingston. Um, Patty Mills is giving you ten points a game. The problem is that the starting point guard position with Tony Parker, you're only getting ten points a game, right? So they're not even equaling the output of a guy like Steph Curry per night. Uh, that's not to mention a guy like Clay Thompson. So if Danny Green could find his stroke again, 
Um, and, and not just the percent. The percentage has always been there for Danny Green. I'm, I'm talking about the volume, you know, the percentage at volume. Remember, that dude had the record you know, three-pointers made. He'd, he's going to have to have a series like that uh, you know, in this series for San Antonio to compete. Um, I, I mean, I think that KD is going to be, quote-unquote, neutralized by a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think they're going to kind of cancel each other out. I think Kawhi's obviously going to do some better things on the defensive end. You know, Paul, like you, I, I think if a guy like Powell and Dwayne, De- I mean, Dwayne Dedman's got a better shot in this series than I think that the Powell does because of the style of play. The, the only thing is going to be if San Antonio on that second unit with Powell on the floor can dictate the pace of the game uh, and not allow Golden State to run. And that's very, you know, that's easier said than done clearly, because nobody's really been able to, to stop them from doing that. I think that Manu's got to have an epic series. I mean, you basically have to have everybody on San Antonio having the series of their life. I think David Lee's got to get crazy physical, be extremely active. I think he could be a difference maker on that on that second unit. I think he gets more run than some of those other bigs. Uh, but I think it's just a difficult series. But I, I have San Antonio taking it to seven. Uh, games just because they've got a, a great player there in Kawhi and they've got tons of experience and I think that Manu can um, can be a difference maker. I think San Antonio takes it to seven games. I would be really surprised if San Antonio would come out of the West uh, with a uh, you know with a Western Conference championship. Uh, okay, guys, this is kind of last word unless anybody has something to add. Anything else, guys? Warriors in five over the Celtics. Oh, man, we weren't doing picks. Ben, you're ruining the whole damn thing, man. I'm the worst. Deal with it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, guys, that's it for this episode of the Spurs Cast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs Cast. Uh, If Jose ever rejoins us, you can catch up with him at GRG1023. Me, I'm at RyanMC underscore PS. Paul, where can they find you in the Twitterverse? Uh, At Paul Garcia NBA. At Paul Garcia NBA and the Boomstein, where can they find you, sir? At the underscore Boomstein. Follow these guys or follow any of the Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs. Make sure to head on over to ProjectSpurs.com. Guys, thank you so much. And to you listeners, you are welcome.